Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Today it is October 27th, 2021. And on today's show, I talk with Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star. We talk all things KU football and basketball. We talk first KU football and the improvements that Lance Leipold has made in Lawrence. And then we discuss the upcoming KU hoop season. And can Remy Martin be that centerpiece, that point guard who can take KU to the next level after a disappointing 2021 campaign? All that coming up on today's show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Joining us today, once again, it is Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star. Uh, Jesse, appreciate you joining us, and check it out. We've had we have some production elements now. We're getting fancier here. I said the bump music. I like it. Uh, yeah, that's new for us. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, gonna have you on. We're gonna talk some KU football, some KU basketball too. Always gotta, obviously gotta get that in. Um, but Kansas is coming off of what feels like their, their biggest win of the season, even though it wasn't really a win. And I'm sure that's kind of that's kind of been the vibe this week, right? You would think so. You know, we just got done with Lance Leipold, and he was a little bit grumpy. Uh, he was kind of talking about how, uh, you know, he always talks about no moral victories. But, I mean, how do you say no moral victories? You were up 17-7 to on Oklahoma with a minute to go in the third quarter. I mean, uh, as a 38-and-a-half point underdog, uh, you would think. You know, I've expected him to kind of walk in there and talk about some of the improvements they've made, some of the, the good things that have happened. But, you know, he was kind of talking more about what didn't happen and some of the things that they left on the field that potentially could have gotten them a huge monumental victory, but I think, you know, big picture, it's hard to not look at this and say, Hey, um, for Kansas, Hey, this is, this is progress. This is something that fans have wanted to see for a while. I actually wrote uh, earlier last week about how KU would struggle to even meet up to the Vegas standard. You know, they were one 14 and one against the spread in their last 16 games. Uh, so, you know, even if fans are saying, Hey, just show progress, just be better than you expect. KU really wasn't doing that lately either. And they were 0 six before last game against Oklahoma. So, yeah, we'll see how they fare against Oklahoma State this coming week. But I think some of the things you see there, the physicality that KU showed, them kind of dictating tempo and uh, running the plays uh, how they wanted to and kind of limiting possessions to Oklahoma, and then just being able to run the football. And Devin Neal, the running back, showing some uh, power in his game. I think those are all positive things, along with Jason being having his best game as a Jayhawk. Oh, those things, big positives moving forward as KU tries to get this football thing turned around. Yeah, before we get to like what they did really well, do you think the message to his football team is a different one than he's telling the media or is it that kind of guy? Because if I'm him, I'm saying, guys, there is so much that we did well there. As in like we had a game plan and we out executed a team that is one of the most talented in the country. Like, I don't think he's telling his team, guys, we really, you know, they got beat in my opinion. They got beat in the end because of a play that we've, I've never really seen in my, in my life, except when defensive players are like, let's keep this interception return alive, you know, or it's a, it's a Hail Mary, you know, the, or, you know, a hook and ladder at the end. And to me, my message would be, all right, let's carry this over. Like their problem, as you know, early in the season was they were not finishing games at all. They were close ish in that first half to third quarter range. And then they would get absolutely smoked. This was a game that I think, while they didn't finish per se, they put themselves in a position to actually get a stop and potentially win the football game or tie, you know, whatever, go ahead in the football game late. That'd be my message to them is like, guys, we put ourselves in a position to win against a much more, you know, more talented team. 
do you think the message kind of privately to, you know, to his players is different than the one to you guys, or is it not the kind of guy he is? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I think coaches, it's so funny because coaches will come to the press conferences and say, Hey, uh, instant gratification society, everybody wants the wins right away. But yet when you get up 17, seven, Oklahoma, all Lance Leipold's thinking about now is, God, you're 16 minutes away. All you had to do was hold them a couple times and you win the football game and you have a monumental upset. So it's funny. I think sometimes it kind of gets played both sides. And this is not Lance Leipold in particular. This is just coaches in general. But you'll see them on the podium. Hey, can't get things turned around quickly. Yeah, this quickly. You know, fans got to be patient. You have to have. But then when they get to put in that situation where they potentially right. can the game, they're the least patient of anybody. Because right, exactly. Nobody wants to lose. You know what I mean? Right. But to, just to speak to your point, I mean, think about this. Okay, let's go back one week's time. And we're not talking about ancient history. We're talking about one week ago, okay? Kansas plays at home against what is probably the second worst team in the Big 12 in Texas Tech, okay? They're whatever, a 20, 18-point underdog. KU, with one minute to go in the game, is losing 41 to nothing at home, okay? Nothing going. By the way, Texas Tech one week later fires its coach. They right. fired their coach. Right. They, they right. hate this season so much and hate this team so much that they fired their coach after they were up 41 nothing on Kansas on the road one week earlier. So, again, it's only natural, and, and I'm trying to be human about this, like it's only natural to look at that and go, one week ago you were facing the next worst team in the Big 12 at home and losing by 41 points. And now you're leading Oklahoma, the top five team, the team that is the Big 12's best shot at the college football playoff, 17-7 in the third quarter. And, and you know, you, it, it's hard to, like, just get blinded by, oh, well, they should have fell on this fumble or they should have executed this. Right. But I will say this, you know, this is something that they preach. And this is Andy Kotelnik. He talks about this a lot um, on his meetings. He always starts off his meetings with uh, fingers that are this far apart. And he has the slide on there of a, of a little clip art of fingers this far apart. And he always talks about what is the difference between winning teams, losing teams, wins, losses, really good teams he's had, not great teams he's had. And he always talks about this. It's the difference. It's this. It's this little thing. And so Lance Leipold talked a little bit about that going back on film and looking at Oklahoma. I mean, yeah, there's a holding call that KU has in the first half. Otherwise, they've been up 14 nothing. Uh, iffy call, but it happened. And if you let the guy go and a, a guy that's away from the play, you're up 14 right. Uh, there's a fumble that they don't fall on at the beginning of the second half. If you get that one instead of Oklahoma scoring a touchdown, maybe you win the game. And so, like I said, I think this is partly just coaches' impatience that you see an opportunity, you want to take advantage of it. But it's still hard to not open your eyes and say, hey, uh, from one week to the next, this is totally different. Even us all talking about Kansas having a chance to be a top five opponent, uh, that's pretty good progress for one week. Quick pause for the cause on today's show. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you about sweat block wipes. For a few weeks now, we've been talking about sweat block wipes. These wipes stop sweat for seven days, and it seems people have been listening. We have had friends of Locked On who have tried sweat block, and they love it. They stop excessive sweat to up to seven days. They're doctor created, doctor re recommended. They have a dry shirt guarantee as well. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's also not just for armpits, it's for chest, back, feet, hands, anywhere you need it, and I mean anywhere that sweats. If you or someone you care about is dealing with excessive sweat, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N locked on or at Amazon and CVS. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. 
McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get a tasty, affordable meal. It's a place where friends and family come to reconnect. A place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi, endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team or away team can come to recharge. So head to your local McDonald's today to refuel and reconnect. So a big thank you to our friends at McDonald's. McDonald's, I'm loving it. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Would you say that, like, so you did the motion there. Would you say that this little space right here was Caleb Williams? <laughs> because, uh, like, that, I mean, I've had some problems. I think that first half interception by him was horrible for multiple reasons. Most of which because Kansas was doing a great job of squeezing life out of the game. It, you go back to the Kansas State-Oklahoma game. Think about how Kansas State was making Oklahoma basically take advantage of all their possessions. They said, we're going to play a low possession game and you have to cash in. And Oklahoma did. Spencer Rattler did a very good job in that game. That was the opposite. Oklahoma was pressing in that first half. And that's why I found that interception so bad. Was it's like, you have to take care of the football here because they're, they're pushing you around up front and they're squeezing the life out of this game right now. He comes back in the second half and more than atones for it with two runs that are um, – I mean, there's really no words to describe the the second one. Like, it's just a unique it's a unique play. I've n- I've not seen a quarterback do that before with a running back, and then actually like successfully get the first down. I just he if if it's this that that was Caleb Williams in my opinion. Yeah, so KU has no margin for error. You know what I mean? Um, they can't have those small things go against them if they're going to try to win as a 38 and a half point underdog, but. Yeah, I, I wrote it in real time and tweeted it in real time. I said, I think that play is legal and amazing. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, it's right. something I've never seen and such a heads up play that, uh, and this is what I talked about so often with KU football compared to KU basketball. Um, I, I talk about this all the time. It's, and this didn't really happen to KU football in this game, but it feels like, okay, they're leading Oklahoma 17 to seven. Things are going right. Potentially there's an upset. And then like, one guy will trip over his feet and then something opens up and then KU football gets back to here we go again mode. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I've seen this before. This is where everything goes wrong right. and you end up losing the game. KU basketball is the complete opposite. Like KU's playing like trash. They're at home against West Virginia. They're down 16 points. There's 10 minutes left. And then, oh, a West Virginia guy fumbles the ball off his knee out of bounds and the crowd rises to its feet. Everybody yeah. up and then Devontae Graham hits a three and all of a sudden it's like, well, West Virginia had their chance, but then they yeah. drop one ball off their knee and Kansas is going to come back and win this game. So that's something that this team has fought for a long time now is just the here we go again. You know, you, you don't want to have that that mentality. And because so many bad things have happened to KU football that when things are going well, going well, going well, if one thing stops it, then you kind of go back down that hill again. I didn't really feel like that happened, but yeah, that's one of those plays. I mean, you shake your head and you just say, what a smart heads up play for a guy just to be in the right area to take the ball, to advance it. 
and you have nothing really to lose there. I mean, the only thing to lose is if he would have fumbled the ball and Katie would have returned it for a touchdown. But on fourth down, you have so little to lose on that play. It was just such a good heads up play. And again, for it to fall against KU football is it's kind of par for the course. But I think that was more an individual, amazing heads up effort than it was KU football doing anything particularly wrong on that particular play. The one you want to look back to, again, I think this one is one that Lance Leipold um, circles, is KU had another fourth down that they could have wrapped up uh, Caleb earlier and missed two tackles, and he ends up scoring the touchdown. So I thought he was going to trip and fall. I thought I thought they kind of had him, and I, I was like, oh, and then what balance? I mean, the balance for him to get back up and then just dash. What quarterbacks can do that? But, again, if you're Kansas and you're seeing that play and you're seeing it on film, you got two guys yeah. there. I mean, you played yeah. with the physicality needed to get a guy in position to make that play. And if you make the play, things might be different. But, I mean, that, that's where Kansas is sitting at this point. But, as we just mentioned, it's much better than trying to sift through film when you're down 41 nothing against Texas Tech. So that's a much more enviable position to be in. Yeah, and I will say the two the two drives I actually like the most in this game were the two one second half, the, the scoring drives. Uh, I was saying to myself, and I was talking to some friends watching the game, I was like, all right, the, the drive after Oklahoma scores that touchdown, make it 10-7, that was the biggest drive of the game to that point, right? What's KU going to do? They go down and get the touchdown of their own. And then when they're down 28-17, that following drive, they go and they make it a one-score game again. And so I thought the character they showed on those drives – is important. Um, love that from them. The the big things, and you've been breaking out. I've been seeing your clips. It's been it's been awesome to watch all the stuff you've been doing on Twitter this week. What are the things that you think Kansas can carry over? Because you think about like moving forward. Okay, this week, the one team that's not going to let you push them around up front is Oklahoma State. So the uh, the the recipe is a bit different this week, right? But generally speaking, what are the things you think that they can carry forward? and use effectively this year and then really drill down in the off season to make this a more, you know, uh, effective group in general. Well, I, I think the best thing they have going for them right now is Devin Neal, uh, just to be completely frank about it. Um, true freshman running back from Lawrence first few games. So it was kind of crazy for Kansas. They had this happen like three or four years in a row, but they had a running back transfer like three games into the season, Velton Gardner, and he was their leading rusher from a year ago. And so there was some concern about it. He's a speedy guy and really hadn't gotten off to a good start, but it really thrust Devin Neal into a role now like, hey, he's the guy. He has to be the guy uh, for Kansas. But again, he was a consensus four-star. He was the top player in the state of Kansas, chose KU. He's a two-sport athlete. He also plays baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, he's going to be a big building block for them moving forward because he's a guy that not only can he sell people to Kansas, but he's not going anywhere anytime soon because he's from here and understands the challenge, understands wants to be a part of the rebuild. And not only that, he's one of the most mature people I've ever talked to as a college student. He just turned 18 years old. So um, <laughs> you can see he's getting more coachable by the week is, is I guess what I want to say uh, earlier on, he was running more upright, was being taken down um, pretty easy uh, to just be completely honest with you in early games. He also um, was not seeing the vision uh, to, to get upfield quicker and, and to hit the right pass. And I'm telling you, week by week, he's getting better and better. He's not going down on first contact. He's getting two or three extra yards when he's falling forward. He gets what the football people call getting running behind your pads, which, again, mm-hmm. it's it's that where you are getting upfield and it's hard to bring you down. And if you do get to bring him down, he's getting three or four extra yards, which for this Kansas team is so important. I mean, they cannot get behind the sticks. They cannot get down 21 nothing because if you force them into being a, a pass-only team, it, it just completely goes off the rails. And so – that first possession in the second half, I was so impressed by Devin Neal. I mean, there were some things that 
offensive line wise, they're doing they're doing better. I mean, there's no question. I mean, yeah. you average two yards per carry against South Dakota in the opener. So I mean, they're doing better. But there were times that linemen weren't peeling off any linebackers. There were times where you know a tight end wouldn't get his guy blocked. But it, it didn't have to be perfect because Devin Neal was running with such confidence and such juice. And, you know, he was fired up on that possession that he was making up for some mistakes, and they were still gaining six, seven, eight, nine yards on those carries, even when things weren't perfect. So I think it's a combination of KU's offensive line getting a little bit more um, comfortable uh, with each other and executing better what offensive line coach Scott Fuchs wants. I think Devin Neal is just he's carrying him uh, offensively when he's the running back. And then uh, Jason Bean had his best game. I mean, in some of the the run read game things that he needs to do mm-hmm. to read that end to make sure that KU's in good numbers. He's never been better than he was, I think, in that game against Oklahoma, especially you add in some of those really big-time throws he made. Uh, he he had an amazing game. It looks so much different. I mean, this is football 101, but if you can pass the football or not pass the football, like, oh, my gosh, there's just a world of difference. That's what you saw against Texas Tech. Hey, you couldn't throw it. And against Oklahoma, when they were balanced, Jason Bean made some big-time throws, and the offense looks completely different. Yeah, it's, it's interesting with him because with a guy like that, you know, it's – it's hard to assess where he is as a quarterback because I feel like the protection is not always great for him, right? And they want to move. He's really good when they move him around. I actually, I mean, you watch it more than me, but what I can tell, like he was really comfortable on the run, making those, making a lot of those throws. Um, you know, I think in a perfect world, they'd like to be able to sit him in the pocket and also move him around and also, you know, have him in the read option game and have all those things working. But where do you think he is in his development? Do you think this is – I know there's been a lot of bumps in the road. Like, getting jet out by Tech is bad. Their defense is bad. Yes. But overall, like, where do you think he is and the offense? Is it starting to come along at all? Well, it's it's tough again because, um, I mean, Lance Leipold even brought this up today at his media session where he's like, hey, you guys weren't really asking me directly. We we're kind of asking me last week if, you know, the team was ready to make a change at quarterback. But right. if you uh, – Jason B had averaged 87 passing yards – in three big 12 games. And I just mentioned, I mean, you can't win. You can't compete in the big 12. If you're going to average 87 yards, right. against Iowa state, Texas tech and Baylor. I mean, it's just, it doesn't work. You still have to throw. I mean, they want to be balanced and again, they're running better, but you can't not throw the football. Like you have mm-hmm. to be able to do that. So, um, you know, Lance Leipold said it today, you know, Jason Bean knew what was out there. He'd heard some of the whispers. He'd heard us asking about, you know, Lance Leipold about his confidence in Jason in Jason Bean and what it was moving forward. And, and he delivered. He had his best effort for KU. Mm-hmm. And um, the one that really he shone through, um, that first drive of the second half, he had one big time throw. You mentioned him on the roll, uh, kind of threw across his body a little bit, found uh, Lawrence Arnold for a big game. But when KU went down by two scores, when he marched him down the field, it felt like Oklahoma wasn't, really around many receivers, but man, Jason Bean, just boom, 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 boom. Okay. You scored a touchdown. Just, I think it's five or six passes right away. And uh, I just, you haven't seen that from KU's offense all year. So it's all part of what makes you wonder about this team because it's so difficult to gauge because this coaching staff did not get spring ball with this group. Lance right. Leipold fired on the last day of April um, that means spring ball is already over with an interim coach and Emmett Jones. And so they come in in August and they have to evaluate their players and they have to install exactly what they want to do in one month's time. So if you kind of say, Hey, spring ball is four or five weeks of practice. Um, then say that that was the start of the season for Kansas. Now they're in what week seven, week eight. So you'd be, this would be like the week two or week three of the season. So, um, it's so hard to gauge this team and figure out exactly where they are. But I think some of these signs that you're seeing, especially like with the guy with Jason Bean making the right reads, the right throws, 
Again, it didn't happen last week in Texas Tech, but the fact that they got him out of the pocket and he made good reads and kept him in the game against Oklahoma, that has to be viewed as a positive sign. And again, it'll give him a lot more leash uh, compared to what he had a week ago just because um, there was some question in Big 12 games whether he could produce. Yeah, just kind of final thought on, on KU football here. So what's what is the – I mean, it's, it's getting towards basketball season, right? And I think here's the, here's the nice thing. We're two weeks away from the, I believe it's what two weeks from to, from yesterday or actually two weeks from today is the Champions Classic, I think, right in uh, in New York City, I think it is. And two weeks, you know, so everybody's getting excited. There's this nice little KU football thing going on. So do you think the fans are like, all right, he gave us this little nugget. That's some progress. It was a year zero anyway. You know, what do you think? Like, what what is the vibe? How how are we feeling fan wise? I know it's been a lot of the same. But all things considered, you know, this there there has to be some positivity. I think. Yes, for the week, I, you know, it's been tough to be a KU football fan for like twelve years now, right? I mean, <laughs> they've showed so little. I mean, I was looking up the numbers for that Vegas thing, and since Mark Mangino left, they have the worst numbers against the spread of any program, you know, in those last twelve right. years. Again, even against that baseline standard where Vegas is trying to even you out, even out the score, KU hasn't been able to hit that. So. I think KU fans have sort of gotten into a routine the last few years, honestly. It's exactly what you said, uh, Josh. It's, uh, okay, early in the season, really care, nothing else is going on. See what the new you know, coaching unit brings. Will it bring a miracle? And then week three, week four, week five, okay, there's starting to be some blowouts. Okay, basketball season's coming. And I think now it's sort of a mode of check in, see what time the game's at, see what, what TV station it's on, tune in for 30 minutes, and see where it takes you. And uh, yeah. If, it's already 21 nothing. You go out and you mow the lawn. You go out and you barbecue. You do whatever else it is, or you get ready for the next KU basketball game. But it's a definite distraction. I mean, KU basketball is the big thing around here. And for rightfully so, KU fans have tuned out to KU football around this time of year. But I think what KU fans normally do is they check into the football game. They will keep an eye on it. Mm-hmm. They will tune in for 30 minutes. And then if something crazy happens like Oklahoma, they're really into it because it's yeah. – it's, it's so different. It's a no pressure situation. I mean, KU basketball, every game is like, oh, you know, yeah. they're gonna win. And like KU football, it's like, oh man, they're being in Oklahoma. How fun is that? You know, so right. I, it's a different beast altogether. But I, I think they are kind of in that yearly mode right now, which is watch KU football for a while, see what they do, see if they surprise people. And obviously, some good feel good vibes after that Oklahoma game on Saturday. Yeah. And one final thing like, you, how long have you been covering KU football for? Uh, my first year covering KU football was the year after the Orange Bowl professionally. So okay, so you so you've seen you've seen all the you know you've seen the different coaches. Do you have a sense that like there is a bit more organization with this group than in the past, or no? Well, I think the answer on that is a little tougher for us because we don't get to go inside inside the program. Mm-hmm. But what I will say is. And I wrote about this after the Iowa State game. I thought it was a pretty key moment for them. It was right before their bye week, and they got pounded at Iowa State. That was when Iowa State just lost. Yeah, the Iowa State was mad. That was that. Iowa they were State never, was, they never they mad. Okay. Yeah. And Lance Leipold got up, and you know, in the post game locker room, and basically got asked, you know, what do you do? Where do you go from here? And I thought his answer was pretty telling. He goes, "Look, you stay the course. You don't change anything up. You know, basically saying, hey, I've been here before." I've been mm-hmm. here at Buffalo. I've done through. I've, I've gone through these wars before. And here's how you don't get out of it is that you panic and you change a million different things. He talked about, hey, before the game, they had a plan for their bye week to do this, then this, then this, then this. And guess what? A big blowout loss was not going to change that big picture plan. 
because that's how you build out of this thing. You don't, you know, there's no eight run home runs. There's no you know, shortcuts. You do what you do. And I think in the past for Kansas, um, whether it was because of the situation of the program or just, you know, because of whatever choices the previous athletic, athletic, previous athletic directors made, they had people who, when they had that moment, when their back was against the wall, they panicked. And then whether that was because they felt that pressure, whether it was because they were a coach that had not had power five head coaching experience, whatever the case may be, you saw weird changes after that. You saw KU doing different things and kind of, again, lack of a better term, you saw him panic. And so I thought Mm -hmm. that was the moment for Lance Leipold is that getting to bring him in and a guy who has done this before and who is confident in his own skin and confident in what he does there has not been panic. And I just told you, I mean, before this last week, they were 0-6 against the spread. So I'm not saying it's all rainbows and unicorns. It's not like they've been performing at a super high level the whole season. But that moment did stand out to me as being different from some of the 12 years of the past where when those games happened and Kansas got slapped in the face, you saw coaches kind of scramble, kind of lose their minds a little bit. Lance Leipold didn't do that. He said, look, I'm here and I understand what I need to do and what I've done in the past and what has worked for me and is going to work again, and I'm going to do that. And uh, again, we'll see if it pays off for KU football. Nobody knows if this is going to work out for KU, but I thought that was a different answer than what uh, KU has normally gotten from his coach in that particular situation. One more quick pause in the action on today's show. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you by the good people at rockauto.com. With ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for you to find your local chain that has all of the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money with rockauto.com. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership for example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store. It's only $216 at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-run business serving do-it-yourselfers online for over 20 years. Rockauto's prices are always reliably low and the same for every customer. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Today's show is also brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. You can find everything you want in the sports gaming world. They're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile site. Use the sign-up tab today. It's free to do. Also, collect your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So just use the promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N locked on to receive your bonus. From basketball to football to baseball, postseason uh, baseball, obviously, NHL, boxing, UFC, Formula One, Vegas games, whatever you want, they've got their bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, it's where the game starts. All right, let's talk about KU basketball, which is always the 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 talk of the town um, there. I just got my tickets yesterday to go see KU in Missouri. Um, I knew what game it was, yeah. When you said KU tickets, I knew which game it was going to be. Yeah, you know, yeah, yes, you knew it was going to be that one. So, I mean, and that was – I actually checked the schedule. Like, that was the most expensive ticket that there is right now. Um, It'd be, yeah. And, so, so, you know, this team is really interesting. 
they bring in Remy Martin, right? And I would say and my my problem last year, you and I talked about it some, like they didn't have the guy, they didn't have a go-to scorer type guy. Um, I actually talked with uh, one of our guys as the NBA draft, Rafael Barlow, and he made a great point about Oshai Abaji. He was like, that guy might actually end up being better in the NBA than he is in college because in the NBA he's going to have a very defined role. thought was a really good point. They bring in Remy Martin, and I have some questions about Remy Martin. I, I don't know if he's like this centerpiece player for a really good team. Uh, we saw it last year. Maybe it was poor coaching. I don't know. With Arizona State. But what is your sense of how this group is going to assimilate and, and kind of come together? Like, my dream is that Joseph Yesfu is chucking up shots at the end of games. That's kind of what I want to see. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's just me. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so what is kind of your sense of how this team is, is coalescing right now? It's a good question, and it's one we have fewer answers than I think even years past because I just don't feel like – um, I, this has been a weird year. I mean, there's been late night where we got to talk to a couple of players, but even with COVID, there hasn't been as many media availabilities. There was big 12 media days last week, but, uh, it feels like the season is catching up, but normally there's like a KU media days where you get to kind of talk to the players and do some stuff. And again, I don't know whether it's COVID or just this season in particular, but it doesn't feel like there's been as much talk about this team, but I think you're right in your, um, concern about Remy Martin. I don't know that that will be a concern by the end of the season, but mm -hmm. I can see it being a concern now. And Bill Self had a lot of interesting things. I asked him a lot about Remy because I, I'm fascinated by him too. Uh, yes. This is so different from Bill Self because if you think about when has he brought in a player, well, the answer is never, but when has he brought, mm -hmm. brought in a player that's an immediate transfer who is expected to be not only the point guard, you know all the plays, nobody else's plays, not only the preseason Big 12 player of the year, but also an emotional leader because of based off what he is and, uh, you know, sort of a, a leader of the program, face of the program type, uh, and have all that from a guy that we just talked about KU football running everything in August. Remy Martin got to campus in August. So mm -hmm. stuff is pretty, you know, if you look at these coaches out there, he's pretty play heavy. You know what I mean? He's a guy that likes to have control of the offense. He likes to have... Um, the point guard be a reflection of him. And you've got a guy now that was in Remy Martin, that was four years with a different program. And, you know, I, I could probably say it better than Bill Self can because he doesn't want to, you know, piss anybody off. But you talked about Arizona State. That sometimes the, the 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 thing was a little bit of a loose ship, it sounded like, over at Arizona State. And so Bill Self talking to Big 12 Media has talked a lot about Remy and getting him to see the game the way that Bill Self sees the game. And I think you hit on your point earlier. Ochai Baji, amazing spot-up shooter. Christian Brown, good spot-up shooter. Jalen Wilson can drive for himself. David McCormick can be good uh, on the roll. You know what I mean? Pick and roll, get to the rim, those sorts of things. What they needed last year was a point guard to get the ball to them. They didn't have it in Marcus Garrett. Marcus Garrett, an amazing defensive player. He slowed him down. He was not athletic uh, late in his career, and, and that's really held them back. You know, they didn't have any wiggle. Remy Martin can provide the wiggle. You know what I mean? But can he provide the leadership? Can he um, take it in his mind that, hey, this is a guy that averaged 19.1, 19.1 last two years. Is it okay for him to average nine plus eight assists, but get all these guys shots and have KU win a bunch of games? I think that's the sort of stuff that Bill Self is trying to get through. And, you know, he's basically made no bones about it. He's talked so much. Bill Self has talked so much about how Dewan Harris has impressed in the offseason. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, it's mind games for sure. He's trying to motivate Remy to get his mindset in the right place to, to lead this team. But it's so tricky because are you – 
gonna bench the Big 12 preseason player of the right. year? I I don't I don't know. I mean, it, if you do, there's gonna be a lot of things that are said and written and talked about. And so uh, this is this is this is something that Bill Self created, and it was a position that he needed to upgrade, and it's a position that he did upgrade, but. Um, yeah, if this thing doesn't work out right away, and we know Bill Self wants to win every single basketball game. This isn't a matter of, oh, you bench him early and then see what happens. No, he wants to win every game. So this will be fascinating to start off with. Um, will Remy get on the same wavelength as Bill Self, and will he accept a role that Bill Self sees for him, which is like, hey, if you score 10 points and have eight assists and play good defense and the team wins, that's awesome. Is Remy going to buy that as being awesome? Uh, that's the big question right now. And again, it's just so unique. The only one I can think of a transfer coming in for Bill Self, like Dieter Lawson, and he was yeah. supposed to being preseason big 12 player of the year. I think he was big 12 player of the year at the end of the year, but not a guy who controls the ball though. Cause he's, you know, not a point guard. Right. And he's a guy that they had a, for a year in the program. You could practice, you knew what you were getting, you know, like he had to sit out the year. That was with the, the transfer rule. So um, yeah, this is this is fascinating. This is going to be interesting, and I think Remy's going to be a, a big storyline for Kansas all year. Well, so many teams have those questions they're answering, right? I mean, so many gr- – now, Kansas is is different in the sense that they've got Oshai Baji, Dave McCormick, Jalen Wilson. Then they bring in guys like Jalen Coleman-Lands, right? You know, another guy who's a proven scoring guy. Remy Martin, obviously, yes, Foods can get some you know, minutes off the bench. This is a group that's different because they've got so much ability. Like a lot of these teams, Missouri's a great example. Not a whole lot of like you know, first team All SEC talent mixed in with these new guys who are coming in, and, and that's a lot of teams, right? A lot of teams have some returning guys and some guys who are you know really good at Green Bay or you know good at Miami of Ohio who are moving on up places like that. Kansas is getting marquee guys from big schools, right? Jalen Coleman lands is. Played the Big 12 last year. He averaged 15 a game in the Big 12 last year, albeit for Iowa State, but still. And getting that to getting that to mesh is now the new challenge for coaches. Now, Bill Self, obviously, super proven. But the one example I always use of this kind of modern networking, the 2019 Texas Tech team, to me, was a team that if they ever got it right, would have been like just this absolute war machine that would have killed everybody. They were playing a game against Tech before everything shut down. They had to play a game against Texas on Thursday, the Big 12 tournament, to see if they were even going to make the NCAA tournament. And my question is, like, do you see a situation where it kind of goes, you know, they have some of those moments, they, they'll catch a good, they'll, they'll catch a big team, but kind of look like, the, you know, the, maybe kind of like last year in some senses. But also at the end, it's like they still have not figured out who they are. That's kind of my big concern for this, this version of Kansas because they've got a lot of ability, but also a lot of guys who have – there's so many guys who have something to prove. There are so many guys who have something to prove. All those guys I mentioned who are returners need to elevate their game to another level, and they got to find somebody who's like a proven guy to help them all elevate that game. Yeah, and just to be clear, I think you meant Texas Tech 2020 was the year they shut 2020, down. 2020, yes, yes, the one that, yes. 19, 19 was the year they were the, yeah, the championship. 2020, the year everything shut down is what I meant, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, what's fascinating about this team. And so Bill Self, I think for a while, wasn't sure whether he's getting Ochai Baji and Jalen Wilson back, both declared for the pros. So he went out and he got their replacements. <laughs> I mean, for like a better term, he went out and got the replacements. Right. And those guys came back. So he was even asked earlier about his bench and what he's done. And, you know, do you like the depth you have? And he basically said, no, I have too many guys. Yeah. And there's a lot of mouths to feed. There are a lot yeah, of mouths yeah, to feed. That's too many guys. And 
I can't remember, you know, now they have the extra scholarship because Mitch Lightfoot came back with his COVID year. It doesn't count as a scholarship. So basically they have 14 scholarship guys. You don't need 14 to play basketball. This is <laughs> the tricky part for basketball is that, I mean, if this were baseball, you would love life, right? right. Because your nine-hole hitter makes your eight-hole hitter better and your eight-hole hitter mm-hmm. makes your seven. And all those guys can just be individually good and they help out the team collectively because of that. Basketball is different, man. Like you can't have – you can have one Michael Jordan on the floor. If you have two, you can make it work. If you have three, you have a bad team. You know, you need some role players. You need some shooters in the corner. You need a big man to go rebound. You need different pieces. And so for Kansas, um, Bill Sussman's so good about getting guys to buy in. You know, one of his phrases always he talks about is, you know, if you win, the pie is big enough for everybody. You know, if you accept your role and KU wins all these titles and wins these championship rings, then everybody's going to be happy because at the end of the day, you won and you're a part of a winning team. It's just tougher. I mean, it's tougher when – you're hoping, I mean, Kate, Bill Self's hoping to play 10, which he basically never does. And that still leaves, I mean, that mean, might leave his whole freshman class, which was number one yeah. in the 12, according to 24-7 sports, recruiting class-wise. That might leave all of them out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You get to 10, right. you right. get to 10, which he's never done before. So um, it will be interesting um, to see how this all phases out. The other part of this, and I wrote about this last week, um, when you look at these two pieces going together. So I just mentioned it, Bill Self is kind of a, if you put it on the spectrum of like letting your players completely play and being pretty structured, I would say Bill Self kind of falls a little bit more toward the structured side. You know, some guys mm-hmm. just hold the ball out there, they do some continuity ball screens and, and go out there and do it. Bill Self loves his plays. I mean, he talked to me last week about how he loves to get an over 75 at the end of the year and, and likes to have kind of some structure and control when it comes to that, especially after timeouts, especially, you know, stoppages and play, things like that. KU has four returning starters and then, Mitch Lightfoot and Dewan Harris. All those guys have multiple years experience knowing all this stuff, <laughs> knowing all the plays, ready to go, ready to run them, right? Mm-hmm. And now you got eight guys who have no clue. None. They don't know them. They don't know these plays. Plus, your point guard, if you're going to start Remy Martin, is the main one who doesn't know the plays, which again, right. 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 guys in the right spots. So, how do you deal with that? Like, like you have half of your team that's like, two semesters further along, four semesters further along in their learning of whatever major you have. And then you've got these guys that they just, you picked up that have had no study at your college before, you know? So how, how do you catch this group up that has to be with this group in this class? Do you try to just simplify things and say, Hey, these players are good enough to go make plays on their own. You got to take away some of the structure or Bill Self talked about getting those guys in the film room and trying to catch them up so that they're right. with the group. So it's fascinating. I mean, Bill Self usually is really good at playing to his pieces and getting his guys to play the best. But I'm telling you, because it's basketball and you can't just have all 13 guys be the best version of themselves and make everybody better, you got to have role players. You got to have people buy into the team. You got to have people that are, even if they're unhappy, buying into roles. There's a lot going on with this Kansas team right now. So even though they are preseason top five, and I would, I voted them that, I voted them too, um, mm-hmm. there still are many questions to be answered. And it'll be fascinating to see sort of the things that kind of shape up. Uh, dynamic wise for this team, just because um, for a team that is that quote proven, there's still a lot to know about this team, a lot to figure out because um, the pieces are there, but the puzzles aren't quite in place just yet. Uh, the answer is let Yesufu cook, just put him in, throw, throw a couple ball screens his way, let him jack it. Come on. We saw him do it uh, last year, the tournament. Yeah. So he's a fascinating one too. Uh, you know, you talk about, and again, we're talking about Kansas basketball problems here. I mean, think about this. Kansas basketball, you just mentioned it. They go take 
Oh, last year's AP preseason All-American, Remy Martin from Arizona State. They go take Joseph Yes, who averaged 23 in his last nine games from Drake. They go take Iowa State's best player in Jalen Coleman-Lanz, or at least their best scorer. You know, they just pick off – they take off a Division II All-American, throw him in the mix. Why not? Um, KU football is at the opposite end of that spectrum. You know, like last year, <laughs> after Les Miles left, they had the – they allowed the most points in the nation, okay? At worst in the nation in points per game allowed, and then lost their three best defensive players to the transfer portal. And – hypothetically after this year you could have guys that played pretty well they could be getting calls from sec schools going hey i'm sure you love playing for kansas but i'm sure you'd love a lot more to play for an sec school um and, and we got this opening at whatever position we'd love to have you and that sort of thing so these are kansas problems kansas basketball bringing in too much talent is not a real problem if you will uh for that but you know when it comes to yesifu um yeah he was amazing down the stretch last year and bill self seems to want to get back to playing it kind of goes in waves um he wants to play two combo guards together. KU played so slow last year. They didn't get any easy baskets in transition. I think as much as possible, he wants to get Harris, uh, Remy Martin, Joseph Yesifu, potentially Bobby Pettiford. Out of those four, he wants to get two of those guys on the court at the same time. That way, it doesn't rely on pitching ahead to one guy. They can pitch ahead to two guys. And I'm telling you, Yesifu, late night, man, he looked fast. He is fast. Now, he's about as tall as I am. so right. uh, He's not very big, yeah. But... Six foot is, is generous on the sheet. If he's six foot, I'm six foot. And I'm not six foot, everyone out there. I'm about 5'9". But um, the, the quickness that he showed and obviously the three-point three shooting ability that he has, yeah, that could definitely help out Kansas. I don't think he's going to start. I think he'll be a bench player. But They need I that, think... though. They had no bench scoring punch last year. Like, they really lacked a guy who could just come and fill it up off the bench. Most teams do, but. Yeah, well, and, and again, a burst of energy. And for Bill Self, um, you know, you never see him press. He hates to give up easy baskets. But could they do like a bother press? Like go pick up 94 feet just to bug a guy. And then when you pick it up in the front court, there's 22 seconds left on the shot clock. I could definitely see him doing that. And they shouldn't have to worry about foul trouble. They shouldn't have to worry about wearing down because they've got a lot of bodies to throw in there. And, and everybody should be pretty fresh if, if they use that depth as they envision they're going to right now. Are you going to be in New York City for the uh... – can you go for it? The Champions Classic? I will be there. I have the uh, flight booked, the hotel booked. So, yeah, we'll be there for the opener. Exciting stuff, too. I mean, in two weeks, this is when everything gets gets crazy for the for us in the, in the college sports film. It's very exciting, though. Uh, Jesse, what are you working on right now? Where can people find you, all of your work, and its variety? Yeah, uh, you got the Twitter there, Jesse Newell. Um, easy way to find it. KansasCity.com is our website. And, uh, yeah, for right now, uh, the after vibes of KU football, you know, facing up against Oklahoma and – like I said, Lance Leipold maybe being a little grumpier than you thought after a game like that. So working on that. But uh, we'll have more hoop stories as we go. KU opens up, uh, has a uh, an exhibition game against Emporia State last, or next week. And then, yeah, for real, we'll see what this team is about. So we'll work on basketball stories analysis then. But uh, in the meantime, keeping the eye on football and seeing how much uh, that, of that improvement they can carry on to Oklahoma State. Awesome. Justin Newell, Kansas City Star. Appreciate your time. All right. Thanks, man. All right. I want to thank Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star for giving us some time today. Make sure you find us on Twitter at LOBig12. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Until next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.